0: Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in.
1: Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord.
0: In November 2016, uh, my first child, Micah, my son, was born. And I remember very specifically to this day, uh, the moment we brought him home from the hospital, and feeling, uh, my wife and I, very overwhelmed, about this new responsibility that we had as parents to care for him. And here he was at home melting down and we had to proceed to do our first diaper change. And my wife and I were already sleep deprived for having spent an entire week at the hospital and we were trying to figure out what to do with this thing. And uh, as we were um, really arguing about how to do this, uh, I started feeling so many emotions and feeling very overwhelmed by all this uh, so much that at one point I decided to go out on a walk and to just change uh, my mind, to refresh myself. And it was dark, uh, dark night in Marseille, south of France. And so I put on a hoodie, went on a walk, hoping that no one would see me because I really needed some time by myself. Went on a walk and uh, didn't cross paths with anyone but one person who happened to be a member of our church. And uh, here I was the first night my son was home, and that person asked me, so what are you doing outside right now at this time of the day? And I was so embarrassed to explain, well, uh, I'm I'm a dad now, and I just brought my uh, son home, and I could see how confused she was why I was in the dark with a hoodie on uh, late at night when my son had just gone home. And uh, I mumbled some few things with her and then just made my way back. Reconciled with my wife as we had a big argument and made peace with everything and embraced the journey that I was on as a father husband. Now, I mention this because the real reason why I went home at night was not because I was brave or this super courageous dad, but it was because of the Lord Jesus. It was because of my relationship with Jesus that I decided. Uh, to not think about myself, but to go home, make peace with my wife, and embrace this journey that I was on. And as we dive into this text today, you will see a correlation between our relationship with Jesus and the different relationship dynamics that you and I will face in life. Uh, And as mentioned, parents and children, servants and masters. And these are the relationships that we have been called to nurture, to care for, in connection, in relation with our relationship with Jesus. If you haven't been here from the beginning with our series on Ephesians, the first half of the book is dedicated to explain what our new identity in Christ is. Uh, And the the Apostle Paul uses the expression, in Christ, 27 times. And then the second half of the book is used mainly as uh, to give some practicalities on how to practice this new identity in Jesus in the different relationships that we have in the world, namely the ones that are the closest to us. Uh, Last week, we heard from Pastor Adam about wives and husbands, and today we hear from the parents and the children, and of course, our workplaces back then, the masters and the servants. And we see uh, different expressions in this passage, such as, As to the Lord... Obey as you would Christ, as bondservants of Christ. He, Christ, is both their master and yours. So you see how Paul is making that connection between our submission to Jesus and our submission to authorities or obedience or the way we treat one another in the world. Paul was big on this idea of submitting to one another. He started that in chapter 4, and then he goes on into explaining the marriage relationship that we have and submitting to one another, recognizing our different roles. But it's all about um, developing this new relationship as part of a new creation. So the main point of the passage is that our new identity in Christ demands gospel standards in our everyday relationships. These relationships are interdependent with our relationship with the Lord Jesus. You cannot separate them. You cannot encounter the lordship of Jesus Christ, submit to him and then decide to ignore completely the different responsibilities that you have in relationship to um, other people around you. And there's another passage that's helpful to explain this where Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse uh, 16 about the new creation. He says this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you see this new reality that believers, people who've been born again in this relationship with Jesus, enter into, we get the Spirit of God who lives in us as a a new creation deposit and we are introduced to this new life and this new life's bursting out of us is affecting everyone around us. Therefore, Paul is saying our worldview is changing. The way we do relationship with our wives, our husbands, our children, our parents, our workers, our um, bosses change because we have the spirit of God and we are entering into a new creation order. This is not just something that will happen later in life, later when we uh, are entering into the new heavens and the new earth that Jesus will have created. This happens right now as the life of God is manifesting itself through us. This is a dynamic of a new creation. So I want to talk about the four main commands that Paul is giving here in Ephesians 6. Uh, First, children... Obey your parents in the Lord. This is a call to honor the parents that God has given us. And of course, Paul refers here to uh, the Torah, the Ten Commandments that we uh, find in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. We can read that together. Just to mention it, it is important. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, chapter 5 sorry uh, verse 16 we read <clears throat> Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So there is a call, there's a command. And it is a call to honor. And honoring means to show respect, to show appreciation, to decide to bless the parents that uh, that God has given us. Now, I want to say this in, uh, in being very considerate about the different parenting experience that you had maybe growing up. Whatever the case, whatever you've experienced in your life, what kind of parents you had, What's really important to notice in this passage is that the the command is unconditional. It doesn't say here, if your parents have been amazing parents, if your parents have treated you very, very kindly and have been great role model, has taught you many good things, then honor them. No, it it is said clearly here, honor, regardless of what the circumstances are. It is an unconditional command. And you may have had parents who were wonderful role models. You may have grown up with a single dad or a single mom. You may have had an abusive father or a mom who was prone to depression and addiction. You may have had no parents. Whatever the case, God is giving us through the scripture a command to honor And I want to give you a couple of encouragements when considering what God is teaching us here in His Word. First, I want to encourage you to seek the Lord as to how in your own personal life you can apply this command to honor your parents in the Lord. You see, as I mentioned, we may all have uh, faced different circumstances growing up with our parents. And maybe when I say dad or when I say mom, some uh, very... um, uh, bad memories come to mind for you. Maybe it is something you want to forget about or put, leave in the past. Or maybe it evokes a lot of good memories, pleasant memories of growing up with them, with a lot of affection, a warm home. But whatever the case, we are called to seek Jesus, his lordship, and how that will apply to his command to honor. I had to do my own personal wrestling with his commandment, personally. Uh, I was born in a home that was splitting apart my uh, Mom left home when I was nine months old, not even a year old. The judge at the time of the divorce decided that the two youngest children would stay with uh, the dad and the two oldest would stay with the mom. My mom being Canadian moved back to Canada and I only grew up with one sibling and uh, my father in France. And uh, my dad remarried later when I was 10 years old and i had to wrestle with this idea of honoring my parents when it came to honoring my stepmother or my mother who should i pay attention to my uh, my stepmother or my mother my biological mother or the one who is present at now at home and As I was uh, really resting with all this, when I became a Christian at the age of 15, that's when Jesus started putting his finger on this particular command and how I was supposed to treat my mother, regardless of what she had done wrong, regardless of of what I didn't understand when it came to the choices she had made and what my father uh, had decided and the judge had decided— I had to put myself in a position where I wanted to be respectful, I wanted to show appreciation, I wanted to recognize that there were still some good things despite all the traumatizing traumatizing things that I had experienced as a young boy. And today I'm grateful for my biological mom and I'm grateful for my stepmother. And I decided to put myself in this position of blessing. You see, uh, so often what happens when we think about this command uh, we, we think about what has, uh, our parents have done wrong to us and so we're kind of waiting for them to come back to us and make things right. And we think in the back of our mind, well, I will bless my parents. I will honor them if they come back to me and ask forgiveness for what they've done wrong because there's been some things that were not right and I want them to correct them before I can bless them. I want to challenge you to uh, turn that upside down. And to think about how yourself, as a child of God, as a daughter of God, you can position yourself where you bless first and foremost, where you take the initiative of wanting to be in the camp of those who are blessing and not cursing. Maybe when people ask you about your parents, you are often throwing them under the bus, pointing out to what has gone wrong. What if your relationship with Jesus and his lordship over your life would put new words in your mouth, new thoughts about how you can acknowledge what has been good? What if you would want to bless them? What you would want to pray for them even if they don't make things right yet? See, often we're waiting for that phone call, that email, that visit, and we are full of, Uh, imagination where we are hoping, dreaming that our father would come home and and, and say, son, let me sit down with you. I am so sorry, son, for all the things I have done wrong. And that may happen, but if it doesn't happen, we can still choose to honor. We can still choose to respect. I'm not asking you to praise and uh, suddenly fake things and worship your parents as if everything was fine and, and beautiful. No, but we can still bless. We can still respect. We can still appreciate. We can still pray. Now, the second thing I would like to mention when it comes to this command to honor our parents in the Lord is that Paul is mentioning that there is a promise attached to this command. He says this, this is the first commandment with the promise, and he mentions the Old Testament, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Of course, that promise to live long in the land doesn't apply to us, but to, uh, to, to enter into a phase in our lives where things go well is a, is a phase where peace and joy and satisfaction are suddenly entering into our hearts. And I want to ask you the question what if your um, a blessing is still locked up in heaven because you have never decided to make peace with your parents? What if there are so many blessings waiting to be poured into your life the moment you would decide to release that anger, release that bitterness, to uh, leave behind all uh, the regrets and the resentments and decide to be in the camp of those who are blessing and not cursing? What if God would unlock all the blessings if you would put yourself in that position? Because Paul is saying again, There is a promise, there is a reward when we are deciding to submit to Jesus when it comes to the way we see our parents. I remember when I became a Christian and I was 15 years old and I was still wrestling with this whole idea of honoring my father. And I, I, I was struggling a lot to be close to my father. I was still not understanding the decisions he had made with my stepmother and my mother and all that. And I decided to keep my Christian life very, very private, Uh, some decisions of my life very, very private. Um, And I was invited to attend a youth conference, and I I went there with my youth group. It was in Belgium. And uh, during one night, there was a powerful altar call to consecrate our lives to Jesus. And I went forward, knelt down. I was praying. I was receiving so much from God. But at one point, the speaker gave another challenge to all the young men, who were kneeling down, and he said, I want you to do one thing when it comes to your father. You uh, will commit to go home and tell your dad, I love you. And I wish that Jesus would have come back that day when he made that altar call, because it put me in a very bad spot. I was trapped. I was already kneeling down in front of everyone. But I, I knew also that it was a very important step in my own life as a young Christian to understand that I couldn't just keep on separating my Christian life from my relationship with my parents. I had to make a step forward to honoring my dad, to bless my dad, to be closer to him. So I made that promise, that commitment with the help of Jesus, went home, days went by, weeks went by, and I was praying, waiting for the right opportunity until one night as I was going upstairs to, to bed, I saw my dad by himself on the couch, and I felt it was the right moment. And I went down real quick and gave him uh, I told him the quickest I love you that I could ever say in my life. But I did. And I said, Dad, I love you. And went back up. <laughs> uh, but I did it. But you know what? That moment was key uh, in really uh, pushing me forward into a new relationship with my father. When step by step, year after year, we started sharing more about our life with Christ together. And today I have a great relationship with him. I'm grateful for what we share together. Nothing was perfect. Uh, I don't want to picture that as a perfect relationship between the father and the son, but it was definitely a a key moment in my spiritual journey as to honoring and deciding to make the first step to be an initiator. We move on to the second command, parents, bring them up, your children, in a discipline And instruction of the Lord. There are two key words mentioned here the discipline and the instruction. If you are a parent in this room, you have inherited a calling, a responsibility to uh, bring up your children in the discipline, discipline of life. Life is a discipline, life demands so many things to be uh, learned and acquired to avoid a lot of bad mistakes. And as parents, we are called to help them to discern what is right, what is wrong, how to be polite, how to protect themselves from danger, how to uh, get dressed, how to uh, feed themselves properly, how to uh, treat people with respect, to submit to authorities, so on and so forth. This is part of our normal responsibility as fathers and mothers. Whether we are believers or not, there is still this calling upon the parents, And uh, Paul goes a a step further by adding in the instruction of the Lord, which refers to our calling as parents who are under the lordship of Jesus to enter what we uh, call family discipleship. It is a call for family discipleship. And uh, Paul, of course, thinks of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. I want to read it to you, a very key passage when it comes to you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So the reality of a family discipleship is that there is a calling to teach the children, to teach the people that God has entrusted us in our house the way of the Lord. And it goes, it, it, of course, it comes through relationship, but it comes from teaching as well. Um, there are two main pitfalls when it comes to parenting in the world today. The first one is passivity, and the second one is anger. And as a dad, I can relate to those two dangers, being uh, overly passive or overly angry. And I often find myself in my daily life jumping from one to the next, so much that I'm sure that my, my children are thinking I'm bipolar. But I, I do see the danger of sometimes choosing the passive way, where I'm full of wishful thinking. I hope that life will run its run its course uh, so much that things will happen automatically and my my children will pick up on different experiences that will teach them how to be perfectly obedient, perfectly submitted, perfectly um, Christian. And that's one day I will wake up, they'll be married, have children and be everly happy after. Happy everly after. But that is wishful thinking because things don't happen automatically. It takes intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes time. And sometimes, as a passive father, I rely on Christian institutions where I hope that the church will do its job, will teach my children about Jesus, and I will just reap the benefit of what the church has done. Or sometimes, I rely on Christian schools to do also what I should be doing myself, sometimes, I'm ashamed to say I rely on my wife to do what I should be doing as a father. But you see the danger as parents today to be passive, where we just kind of, it's too much energy, it's too much time, it's too much effort, so much that we just kind of let things run its course automatically. And sometimes we jump to the other extreme where we are angry all the time. Our children are challenging us, pushing the wrong buttons all the time so much that we explode and we snap and for sometimes no reasons. And often, when we turn to anger as parents, it is um, probably a revelation that there are hidden triggers that we are not aware of. Maybe it's the way we were brought up. Maybe it's uh, the fact that we've had parents who were overly rigid with certain aspects of life. For example, I know that my parents were very strict about how we should eat and the way we should eat so much that when my kids sometimes don't eat well or are picky eaters, I, I become this angry tyrant when I should not be because they're just pushing the wrong button and they're uh, really uh, going with that trigger of my childhood. So we need to be aware as parents of what are the triggers, what are uh, the circumstances that we are letting ourselves go into. But most importantly, in light of this text, in light of this command, What is our calling as parents? How can we teach them the way of the Lord? How can we enter that dynamic of family discipleship? There's a great book written by uh, Chandler and Griffin, uh, published by Crossway, uh, and it's called Family Discipleship. And in the book, these authors propose um, four steps to family discipleship that I think are very helpful. The first one is modeling. Modeling is serving as a godly example for your family living out your genuine walk with god and demonstrating true repentance where and when you fall short now you may have heard this before we lead by example right and if we are to lead our homes well we need to lead by example and the reality is that our kids are watching us all the time my kids are watching me when i eat they even watch me when i sleep They watch me all the time, so I don't get any break from them. So I might as well be a godly example. But we have this capacity to have so much influence in our lives. And we think often of this command from Jesus going to all the nations and uh, preach the word and disciple all nations. That is a wonderful uh, commission, that we should respond to. And when we hear about commission, we hear of mission strips and evangelism and outreach and all that. But you know what? It really starts in the home. It starts today. If you are a father, if you are a mother, it starts today. You can be an example today. But you can be also an example in the way you fall short. You know, in my home, in the Renault home, there is a lot of asking forgiveness there's a lot of times where I sit down with my kids and I acknowledge Micah, Michaela. I, I don't often ask forgiveness to Emma because she doesn't. She, she, she's sweet. <laughs> Micah, my, my, Micah and Michaela are very sweet too, don't get me wrong, but it's a different dynamic with Emma who is not even two. But with Micah and Michaela, there's been so many times where I sat down with them and I said, uh, Micah, uh, Dad's been really angry here. I shouldn't have yelled the way I yelled. Um, I shouldn't have um, responded the way I responded. Would you please forgive me? Papa needs grace. And, and there's a lot of that at home. And we can also teach them. We can model what repentance and forgiveness is just by doing the simple things too. So don't expect that modeling has to be this superhero father and mother thing. It has to be genuine. It has to be connected to our own relationship with Jesus when we also receive forgiveness from Jesus. The second step Is called family discipleship time. It's about creating intentional time built into the rhythm of a family's life for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and living out the gospel. Every family has different rhythm. Some families are organized around sport, entertainment, or uh, quietness, or family, um, like meal times. Whatever your rhythm is, At one point, it needs to be intentional. It needs to be planned where we can sit down with the kids, pray with them, teach them the gospel, and it has to be thought out before um, things happen. The third step is family discipleship moments, capturing and leveraging opportunities in the course of everyday life for the purpose of gospel-centered conversations. We have a lot of those key moments that we can... Uh, take advantage of, for example, at a park when I see my kids fighting with each other or not wanting to share something with another kid where we can bring the gospel into this circumstance saying, hey, you know, uh, God is calling us to share. Uh, Things don't belong just to us. They belong also to the people who are in need and we are called to be loving and compassionate, uh, so on and so forth. You can have so many experiences whether your children are very small or big, they are key moments that we can take advantage of to bring the gospel into um, the circumstance. The fourth step uh, is family discipleship milestones, marking and making occasions to celebrate and commemorate significant spiritual milestones of God's work in the life of the family and child. just today, a beautiful milestone for Dan who uh, went through water baptism, his father being present here in the room. What an awesome testimony to the fatherhood and uh, there will be other milestones for your own personal life, whether that's graduation or a key moment in your work, uh, in your life, marriage, uh, just an important like, spiritual uh, landmark that you want to have. Uh, but as parents, we're also called to um, take advantage of those milestones and mark them uh, as spiritual moments as well. So these are really good um, practical things that we can uh, do today. As we leave this uh, service, and I encourage you to take hold of that book, you can actually have uh, the book for free if you go to the Gospel Coalition. I believe if you submit your email address, uh, you'll receive a PDF version for free, and you can read the book on your tablet or computer. Now I move on to the third command. uh, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters. This is a call to have an excellent work ethic, not just an average work ethic, but an excellent and amazing work ethic. You see, so often in our society today, uh, the call is to do the minimum required just to get paid, to get by, and to pay the bills and to have a good life. And if your approach to work life is just to get a salary to get by so that you can have an amazing family vacation and buy a car and a flat screen TV, then I think it's really a distorted view of how the gospel should affect your work life as people who've entered into this relationship with Jesus, we have a new responsibility, not just towards our boss, but towards Jesus, because we should treat our bosses the same, with the same approach that we want to uh, treat Jesus with uh, fear and trembling, as uh, the passage is mentioning. Uh, and there's really this uh, interdependency uh, between our, the lordship of Jesus and the authority that uh, boss, bosses have in our lives. Now, it doesn't mean we should bow down and worship our bosses, of course. It just means respect, seeking the good of a company, uh, even when we are not noticed, even when nobody is watching us, seeking how my work ethic can contribute to the success and the progression of a company. And the good news is that there is a reward. We just don't do this because, uh, I guess I should do this because I'm a Christian. No, there is a reward. And uh, Paul is mentioning that in a passage when he says, whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord. Now, what you will receive back from the Lord, I don't know. It won't necessarily be material. It won't be a new promotion, uh, but it will be good. It will be satisfying. It might be joyful. It's, it's a deep sense of satisfaction in God. And I want to encourage you to to expect that from Jesus as you advance in your relationship with him and you uh, uh, strive to do a great work where God has placed you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. If we would have that mindset every time we clock in at work, I really think it would change a lot of things in our workplaces, and it would be a great testimony to the gospel. Fourth, masters render service with a good will. This is a call for servant leadership. And of course, Jesus, more than anyone else, has exemplified this when after he washed his disciples' feet in the Last Supper, he uh, gave them a great teaching on leadership. And I want to read this in John chapter 13, verse 12. It says this, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also are to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. What a great example. I want to call the worship band at this time Jesus is reminding us that if we want to be in position of leadership, if you are aspiring to have more responsibilities and to be able to uh, make things happen, then it starts by serving. And I had a great uh, pastor in my childhood who told me, Luis, if you want to be a man of God, you have to be a servant of men. If you want to be a man of God, you have to start by serving men. I really didn't like that back then. Uh, But there was so much wisdom because we are quick to want the the fame, the the acknowledgement that we're great at what we do, but how quick we are to want to serve. And if you are a boss today, if you have responsibilities, if you have employees under you, let me encourage you by considering that the first and most important thing you can do for your leadership is to start serving. It doesn't mean catering to every single request because employees are full of little requests, but it's, it starts by really considering how, as a boss, as someone responsible in connection with Jesus, you can serve them, you can bless them, and that is the call that we receive. Mark chapter twelve, uh, Mark, Mark chapter ten. Verse 42 to 45 says this too. A great passage on leadership too. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have a master. Have you ever considered yourself a slave of Jesus? I know that might be a strong word that may kind of rub you the wrong way if I mention the word slave. But again, in the Bible, uh, slavery was a little bit different. Paul is not agreeing with slavery he's not encouraging it he's just encouraging the Christians uh, in Ephesus to have a godly relationship with their masters but for us children of God who've experienced the gospel the grace of Jesus Jesus has become a master and we have become his slaves and that is a profound uh, truth worth pondering upon and if we treat Jesus as a master It will change everything in the way we relate to our husbands our wives our bosses our children our parents and i want to leave you that thought today as i close is jesus your lord are you a slave by love of jesus where jesus has the first word and the final word when sometimes you are into an a big argument with someone in your household or someone at work and you want to have the last word because you, you think you're right or you think they're wrong but what matters is not your final word what matters is the final word of jesus what is jesus saying to you today and i want to encourage us to have a new perspective and to embrace this gospel relationship dynamics uh, today as we leave this room let me pray over us and we'll get back into worship father thank you so much for your word that it is powerful it is true for today and i pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would help us to uh, live out the gospel in the way we parent in the way we obey authorities in the way we work in the way we teach the children in the way we honor our parents and thank you for your grace and for your spirit that is at work with us today amen (laughs)